Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP is made possible in part by our newest sponsor, Animoto. You can head over to Animoto.com slash TWIP and use the offer code TWIP to get 15% off an Animoto Pro account. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks. They're the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up. This week on TWIP, Snapseed releases a major update with some revolutionary new features. Also, LensBaby announces a new manual-focused lens, the Velvet 56. In Polar, a new online photo editing tool is released. It's Monday, April 20th, 2015. And this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss some of the cool things happening in the world of photography this week, the guy behind the digital story and the nimble photographer, Mr. Derek Story. Hey, Derek. Greetings, greetings. Good to be on the show again, Frederick. Good to see you. Nice to have you. Thanks for coming on. Also on the show, Mr. J.M. Giordano. He's a prominent Baltimore, Maryland-based photojournalist and portrait photographer, and he does a whole bunch of other stuff that we will learn about as the show goes on. Joe, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me back, Frederick. Yeah, always a pleasure having you guys on. we got a lot of stuff to dive into. Before we do that, before we dive into the show, I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at Animoto.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by our newest sponsor, and that's our friends over at Animoto.com. In today's connected and visual world, video is really now a necessity. It's no longer an option. In fact, all of the social media platforms now allow video. People are using video as a powerful way to stand out from just static photos. Even Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg predicts that video will be the primary form of communication on Facebook within five years. And with video, you can better engage your customers and your friends. You can drive more traffic to your website. And you can boost your company or your personal image online by just using video. But learning how to use video and spending the money to create compelling videos is expensive. And it takes a long time to learn the tools necessary to create cool-looking videos. So that's where Animoto comes in. Animoto is a drag-and-drop video builder that gives you everything you need to produce professional videos in just minutes. You just need a logo and some photos or some video clips. You throw them in there, and boom, the thing crunches them and spits out an amazing-looking professional video. They've got 1,000 or over 1,000 commercially licensed songs for you to use, courtesy of Triple Scoop Music. Animoto has partnered with respected photographers, including Kelly Brown, Jerry Gihonis, Tamara Lackey, and more to provide you with exclusive professionally designed video styles. Plus, if you have your own logo, you can replace the Animoto branding with your own logo on there. Plus, you can create unlimited HD videos. You can share your videos on your website. You can throw them up on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, 
email. You can even download them and burn them to a DVD if you want to. Plus, they've got a cool Lightroom plugin, so you can you can shoot your images directly from Lightroom into Animoto and have it remix them just like that. No more exporting to a folder than uploading. You can just send them directly out to Animoto from your desktop. Animoto is really more than just a slideshow. They 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 allow you to tell a story. You can choose the right music, set a cool mood, and really bring a series of images and video clips to life. And you can market your photography business with video with just a few clicks. You no more editing experience is needed. You can blend those video clips and photos seamlessly into one final piece, really without any extra work. And you can create your first video in about 10 minutes. You know, and this is about less than the time it takes for you to get your favorite caffeinated drink from your favorite barista. And Animoto has a special free trial. It's a no-risk free trial. You can try them for free and join the thousands of photographers who are already using Animoto to stand out from the crowd. Just head over to animoto.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP and they'll knock 15% off an Animoto Pro account. Once again, that's animoto.com slash twip and use the offer code TWIP for 15% off. And here's a quick look at what's new this week on the TWIP network. The TWIP Facebook group is live. Please head over and join it over at thisweekinphoto.com slash Facebook. And on All About the Gear, Gordon Lang joins Doug K to put the Olympus OMD EM5 Mark II through its paces. On Street Focus, Valerie sits down with the copyright guys, Jack Resnicki and Mr. Ed Greenberg. On The Fix, Jan explores the Lightroom adjustment brush with Ron Clifford. And on Twip Weddings, right along on the first half of the wedding day with Bruce, Robert, and Brian. And finally, on your itinerary, Rob talks travel with wedding photographer William Ennis. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe to any or all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. All right, here we go. Let's dive into the story. Story number one, this is my favorite story. We were trying to get to this story last week on the show, but ran out of time. Um, so we're doing it now through the wonders of the interweb. Snapseed, um, a product owned by our friends at Google, have released a major update. I would argue one of their, I guess, the first major update since this brings it up to version 2.0 of the software. This is a, this has been my de facto mobile image editing app since I think since it was released. I just kind of standardized on this app and the, the photo app that's built into the iPhone that comes with the iPhone. So with Snapseed 2.0. Um, a couple of the top line features are a larger image view, highlight slider. Um, it's got content aware fill in a mobile app. It's got perspective <laughs> distortion. It's got a, it's got stacks. So essentially, it's kind of like uh, adjustment layers in Photoshop, where you can go back within the layer and or within the stack of of adjustments that you've done to an image and tweak individual adjustments and or delete them it's got all kinds of cool stuff in there so it's a it's kind of super powerful to be a mobile app in the blog post for this episode we'll uh, we'll link to a couple of videos um, one in particular our friend Scott Kelby did over um, on on their network over there and they did a really nice deep dive walkthrough of the software so for you guys uh, Derek I want to throw this to you first you are like I said at the intro you're the nimble photographer uh, and I've seen your bag, and it is very nimble. And you've got an iPad in there. Which, is I this do. app? Is this app something that pushes the the game forward? Is this your go-to app? 
16 2.0 uh, is something that I think is just a terrific uh, update, and I think it was worth waiting for. It is my my de facto this is for image editing. I think this is the easiest to use. And uh, I think the uh, update on an iPad in particular, it's funny, I'm just looking at it on my iPhone right now just to see because I hardly ever edit on the iPhone. And it's pretty good, but I like it even better on the iPad. And yeah. uh, I think the, the stacks, which are uh, like a history, uh, um, is, a, is pretty good stuff. And then just in general, the performance, uh, the abilities, like you said, uh, some of the tools on it are just crazy. So yeah, just, uh, for me, it's, yeah, it's crazy for something that's mobile like this. I mean, because you think back in the day, you know, when when these apps were just kind of coming out and we were happy to get, you know, sort of Instagram-esque kind of power in our apps. Right. And we were happy if we got maybe some vignetting or edge blur or something like that. Now it's almost we live, it's almost like we have full on real image editing power in at our fingertips. Right, Derek? We do, and and by the way, Instagram's pretty darn good these days too with yeah. uh with the latest update, whatever it is, six point oh two. Yeah, it's uh it's it's amazing, and uh, and I tell you, uh, to your point, Frederick, it, it is. I the you know the thing is, of course, we're working on, for most of us are working on JPEGs on our mobile devices. I don't think a a lot of uh, people work on RAWs. I know s some people do, but generally speaking, not. So it's a different workflow. It's a different workflow. It's for you know a quick turnaround. It's for publishing uh, uh, up on social. Uh, it's for showing friends on your iPad while you're you know on the uh, it's plane flying home. That looked great. And then when I get back to the computer, working in the room or aperture or Photoshop. Uh, emulating some of the cool stuff I did on my iPad, and I think that's kind of funny. Yeah, we're we're losing you a little bit, Derek. Looks like you you might have some Comcastic upload issues going on over there, but because we we lost a little bit at last sentence. Now you said something about you were doing some edits on your computer and then replicated them on your iPad. Is that what what you said? Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, and just in case I'm not answering your questions real well, I. I other word from you too. So yeah. Um, no. All right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll uh, press forward. We'll press forward. Jay, Joe, what what about you? Looking at this thing like Snapseed and your workflow. So you know what we'll find out later in the show is you're a newspaper photographer, and you know, like I said at the intro, there you are. I mean, you're you're a pro. I mean, you do this stuff. You're not just just kind of bouncing around. You're a photojournalist, and you're doing this stuff and putting food on the table. When you see an app like Snapseed, is it in in apps like it? Like Derek was saying, there's you know even even Instagram is becoming more and more capable these days. Does this tool have a place in your box of things that you actually do to do to use to do quote real work with? No. <laughs> It no, is a I, toy yeah, to you, no, huh? Thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, no, I, I really, I mean, I've, I, I was a kind of an early adapter of Instagram and Hipstamatic. I, I really got my internal actions down with Instagram. Like tonight, I was at a, I was at a protest for a, a young man who was killed in police custody, and it was so heated and it was so loud and it was so actiony. I, I didn't, I wouldn't have time really to, to do the things other than quickly on Instagram, um, how I want to do my, my contrast, my light. And I just know where all my settings are, and it's, it's just a really – it took a really quick app. I, I would use it like Snapseed or something if I were on vacation 
or I were like a, like you're showing now, like a fashion photographer. Yeah. I could take the time to, to really do a lot of a lot of this stuff. But like, okay, so if you go to the last screen where uh, where you had the yeah the the directions, see this is what this is one thing that bugged me yesterday. I was in New York and we were on Ellis Island. I took a photograph of my wife, and it was a. I just had the camera. I had my iPhone a, a little bit tilted, and I wanted to to rotate it, but it only. It's still all these apps only rotate like in 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 halves. You can't. At least I, I don't know. I, I haven't. You can't on Instagram. You certainly can on the iPhone camera, like just just a little bit. Maybe I'm I'm doing it wrong, but um, I mean that's really the only thing I I, I would as a as a working photojournalist. Would use it for. I wouldn't really have time to really go into the the glamour glow, the lens blur, the tonal contrast, and all that good stuff. I would just lose too many photos. Yeah, I mean, and for the type of work that you do, is probably not not the right tool. But I'm I'm curious, like Derek, from someone like you, when you look at this, you know, that same question to you: Is this a tool now? Has it matured to the point where we can actually use it to do real work? And when I say real work, I mean you know, maybe even something client-facing that you'd be delivering and getting a check for? Uh, I would take it right up to that point, but maybe not to client-facing. I, I would be nervous about that. Uh, but for my work, for, for you know, I mean, half of what I do is, is what I would call, you know, social media-type uh, photography. And for everything in that category, yes, absolutely. But uh, for clients, no, not yet. <laughs> I don't know. I'm too nervous about client stuff. <laughs> but are we, you, both of you guys, you know, this is just sort of open round table. I mean, are we getting to that point now? I mean, you know, you look at, I even look at the numbers, the traffic numbers on This Week in Photo, and it's, it, it has tipped the scale to mobile now. Mobile you know, we know that we know that Google tomorrow, as we record this, it's Monday, um, it's Monday, April, what is it, 20th. 420 here in California, <laughs> and as we know that tomorrow, the 21st, rumored that Google is pushing another update to the search engine that is going to start giving more weight to sites that are optimized for mobile devices. And like I was saying, looking at the TWIP audience, the TWIP traffic to the site, podcasts, etc., it's mostly mobile these days. It's it's crossed, yeah, I, crossed I mean, that I, point, right? Yeah, I, I listen and go through TWIP's completely on my iPhone. Like I, I very rarely I very rarely go to the website. Um, I might yeah. check for news with you guys, but as far as the, the podcasts and the 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 other podcast it's all through my phone. Right. So then that, that just when I when I look at that then I look at this I'm, I'm thinking like okay, is the day here? And I like I really want to get both of your opinions on this. Is the day here where or you guys said it's not, but is it approaching where we can just do everything on a mobile device? I mean, Apple is rumored to be replacing or to be releasing this giant version of the iPad or a professional version of the iPad. Will these will these kinds of tools come into their own when that thing gets here, or are we waiting for something else, or think, is it just never? Well, I think the progression is going to go mirrorless cameras and then mobile devices. It, I, my phone is still not fast enough for me to take. I mean. Again today at this protest, you have people screaming and hands in the air, and as, as I'm using my phone, I'm missing every other expression. You know, it's yeah. the, the shutter yeah, speed. But I'm not. I'm not talking using your phone to shoot because that's a whole different. Like you just be for uh, editing. I mean, like even shooting with a mirrorless camera, your DSLR, and and shooting the images over to your iPad, doing your edits, oh, that's, that's, and then that's sending the next them out. Step. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without what is that? You think it's there? 
Oh yeah, it, well it, it's it'll it'll be there quickly. It'll be there quickly. I think that um, especially if you're working in the field and you don't have a laptop, and you you use your Wi-Fi card and send it over to your your iPad or your phone, do it up and send it to your editor. Ten it's minutes. Done. It's done. Yeah. You know, so I know, I know Derek. So, one thing, I if I can if I can uh, read the tea leaves of what Derek's story is going to say. Derek's knowing Derek for several years now. Derek's going to say, "Yeah, it's great. It's almost there." But there's still the issue of color calibration, right, Derek? <laughs> well, there there is that definitely. <laughs> so so here here's what I do. And it's so funny that all these years later, I'm still shooting RAW plus JPEG, which yeah. just makes me laugh. Just makes because I thought I was going to get rid of it 50 times now over the last decade. And uh, what I do is I shoot the uh, for the JPEGs. I shoot medium, super fine, which is uh, around 2,500 pixels. I shoot mirrorless uh, for my event work. That goes into the iPad. That goes into Snapseed. That goes up right away, uh, like you guys are saying, wherever it has to go. Yeah. But then when I get home, I take the card out, goes in the computer. All the raw files go into my photo management application. And that's where I work on the masters, and that's where the finished product is. So as long as I can have both sides of it, I'm cool. I think it's great. If the question is, am I ready to give up the other side to go just to a mobile workflow, the answer would be no. Huh. Okay. So we're not – So we're not. it sounds like you have one toe in the water then. You know, you, it's your commitment issues, Derek. You're just – you know, <laughs> You wanna you wanna edit a little bit, and then you know I talked to some other photographers like Joseph Lenaski and Julio Shorio, and they they've adopted a full on workflow where they deliver final images to the client that have been shot on a device, moved over to their mobile device, edited and sent to the client. Why? So why why the crutch well, of raw, Derek? Well, be, because the crutch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be controversial. Come on, man. Give me a break. This is called bit depth. Um, yeah. <laughs> bit depth. Have you heard of it? Yeah. I, I only um, shoot JPEG 2000, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, you know, what, what Julia will tell you, though, if you press him on that, he'll say that he his client work is mainly for stuff online. In other words, right. he, hasn't, he hasn't made a print in, you know, print is the key. 50 years. 50 years. My clients are doing both, uh, you know, print and web work both. And uh, the print delivery, that's, that's you know, that's a whole nother thing. And yeah, yeah. I mean, your work has been, I mean, on billboards and everywhere yes. else, right? Yeah, so you yeah. need that. Yeah, yeah how, not, how can, how can, those, how can the, the wedding people, the people you just referred to, go from their, their um, cameras to their devices and then to the client I mean, the, 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 the printing's a key. I mean, you, you can't print very yeah. big from these devices right now. I mean, you know, and if you're a working photographer like like Derek or myself, I mean, I, I need prints. I need prints for shows. I need prints for clients. True. So, yeah, totally. I guess totally. In, that, in that, like, handling raw files, I guess it's just not – it's not there yet. I mean, it's more of a space thing, right? It's more of a yeah, – totally. But I wonder, I wonder where – I mean, where – because right now it feels like – you know, Derek, and I think you would agree with this, even when you put on your nimble photographer hat, that there's, we make a lot of compromises, or a fair amount of compromises, less than we did before, but we make a, we make a good number of compromises when we are shooting and using the iPad to do our edits and all that, which is probably why you still have that raw component, 
in your workflow. I wonder when when that is going to go away. That resistance, you know, that's okay. I'm compromising, but I'll do it anyway. Is when's that going to go away and it becomes like the de facto because there are no compromises. I well, th- I mean, I think that's an individual question, though. I mean, you know, you're you're kind of talking as a group, like, you know, when does that hundredth monkey, you know, kind of tip us over, right? right, right. And have, I, I'm not sure if that'll, if that'll ever happen because until like all the guys like me, you know, die, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Could you get a little bit more morbid, Derek? I think you weren't pushing it enough. <laughs> like when all my, when me and all my friends kick, then yeah, things yeah. will start changing. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I was just thinking this the other day. Uh, I I just did a big shoot on uh, Friday, a client yeah. shoot, and uh, shot it in RAW with a uh, 5D Mark II and you know big lens, all that stuff. And I was uh, recovering uh, some highlights and uh, opening up some shadows a bit. And I just noticed that, you know, how smoothly those shadows opened up as I was moving the slider and all that with the RAW files. You do the same thing with a JPEG, even in something wonderful like snaps, you know, thing, and it's just like it goes in it goes in chunks. You know what I mean? You don't you don't get that beautiful control, and I think that control, that ability to get the image exactly the way you want, that's hard to give up for people who've had it. Maybe the key is people who haven't experienced that. That might be a different story. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I mean, all these tools keep coming on, right? I mean, we've got we're getting better and better cameras almost every month. We get mm-hmm. cool software tools like this that are mm-hmm. evolving and morphing and changing, and we're getting more important, even different tools. We're getting this Apple Watch and better tablets and you know Android and all this stuff is coming. You, it just makes me wonder where where are things going to go in like a year or so from now. Joe, what do you, what do you think? Like putting your crystal be ball out of control. It's gonna be out of control, man. I I can't keep up with all this stuff. I just want to take photographs. <laughs> I just want good pictures. Um, no, I, I will say, you know, I I looked at the Sony and the Olympus. I, I'm liking the, the the mirrorless is getting there. I think in the next year, these big dinosaurs, these D seven thousands and DXs and all this stuff, they're gonna be obsolete. They're just gonna be. They are. You know. Oh, you're you are inviting the torches and pitchforks to come out now, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Don't don't be calling for the end of the DSLR. The the uh, the monster hunters will come. No, I mean, you know, I don't know how you feel, but I'm and I I have discussions with photographer friends of mine that we're really surprised that we're still using these like any anything phones, cars, everything else is smaller and faster, and we're still using these like dinosaur clunky big cameras, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think, but I think mirrorless is. I think mirrorless is what what broke it. I think that's going to be. I, I love the work from Sony and, and Olympus. It just looks great. Yeah, yeah, yeah it looks great. And I, I think that's going to be next. And it's going to be kind of a dovetail with apps like this and cameras like that that you're going to see some really good stuff. You know what I wonder? Uh, you know, both of you guys. What I wonder is, so when Google acquired. Um, Nick and Snapseed and all those assets, we saw them incorporate a lot of the features. Even the look and feel and the the UI, UX of some of these apps went into the online version of uh, Google Plus Photos, so you can now use those. I wonder if these enhancements, will we see those, Derek? Will we? You think we'll see these migrate their way into Google Plus Photos? I would think so, yes. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why Google uh, bought Nick, and uh, because Nick, uh, 
engineers are really good at this stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, we're, we are going to see them. I, I'm happy that the migration started on my iOS device and is moving the other way because, you know, that's that's the area I love to work on the devices. But, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, lots of cool stuff. I mean, this is it's interesting, and it makes me want to play even more with with uh, with just sort of editing. And and Derek, you inspired me was like a year or so ago, around when you started Nimble Photographer, just to sort of do that mind shift into going mobile only. I mean, I'm shooting mirrorless as it is, and I have a yeah, tablet. Yeah. You know, yeah. why not just make a little make your workflow and make it work out of a little knapsack, right? Yeah, <laughs> I have one bag and four lenses in one body. There you go. That's all you need. My happiest weeks are when I just have my little uh, knapsack, my iPad Mini, uh, maybe the uh, EM5 Mark II lenses, and that's all I have to take. I mean that that is a great week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Contrast that with the Derek Story standard kit of 15 years ago. What what would have oh, been in your bag? Oh. And, in 2000, uh, what was in your bag, Derek? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, let's not go back there. In 2000, no, it was a hard time. <laughs> I guess still still have the war injury. Yeah, yeah, totally. The compressed discs to uh, to prove it. All right, guys, I want to move on to this next story. Before we do that, I want to thank uh, another sponsor of this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at lynda.com. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online training platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, just visit lynda.com slash twip. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash T-W-I-P. Now, lynda.com is for problem solvers, creative people, or just people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel or learn negotiation tactics or build a website or even boost your Photoshop skills. Just go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. lynda.com offers a ton of courses on Lightroom, Photoshop, and the Adobe Creative Cloud, and many on just getting inspired or re-inspired about your photography. With a lynda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching, and you can stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn at your own schedule. And courses are structured so that you can watch them from start to finish, or you can consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can even download tutorials and watch them on the go from your iOS or Android device. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. So whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or just want to learn something new, visit lynda.com slash twip and sign up for your free 10-day trial. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash twip. All right, story number two. Lens Baby has announced a new manual focus lens, and it's called the Velvet 56. And according to their press release, the Velvet 56 classic portrait lens gives you a a velvety that's the first time I've that word in a while. A velvety ethereal start to a smooth ethereal smart start with a smooth finish from the big picture to the smallest detail, bringing modern day simplicity to the carefully crafted build build and look of a mid 20th century portrait lens. This 56mm f1.6 manual portrait and macro lens evokes an experience like no other. 
Wow, that is marketing speak right there. <laughs> Embrace the moment as you easily go from capturing gorgeous, radiant environments to intimate details in the same scene. Now, Derek, when I saw this, when I first of all, when I think lens baby, um, I used to think the little cheap, not, not cheap, but inexpensive kind of plasticky, you know, you put on your camera and, you know, you take a few photos and then you probably won't use it that much after. However, when I looked at this thing, when I looked at this lens, this looks like a real lens. I mean, it, I haven't held one, but looking at it, it looks substantial and robust. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's priced like a real lens too. It's uh, what about, <laughs> it's yeah. about four hundred fifty bucks or something like that, yeah. which is kind of kind of uh, you know different for us to spend that much money on a lens baby product. Uh, I think it looks neat. Uh, the the thing is, um, you know, for me anyway, uh, and I think this is probably the question you're going to ask. Uh, do you want to have a lens on there that is just producing this effect naturally and have that in the moment experience, mm -hmm. or are you case shooting with your your regular 50 and then you know choosing putting Vaseline over the lens, right? Yeah, or <laughs> you know breathe on it, or you know. <sighs> you know Oh. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, Joe, what do you think? I mean, it's uh... I, it's it's a gimmick. It's it's the it's a gimmick. Um, I it's not my kind of lens I would ever use, and I I, I don't know if you know if it's going to get old. I mean, it it's for a certain type of photography that you can achieve the same effect in post production. You know, I guess if that's an issue for you, then then get it. But to have this like softy kind of Lucille Ball filter. I, I say that because she had um, such a bad skin condition, they always use a soft filter for her. She insisted on it. Look at oh, it. It's amazing. That. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, it's one of those things where it just looks like, oh, I just, that picture just drives me nuts, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what I wonder. I wonder... It's I wonder just, what does this mean, like, if you buy this lens. Like, the other thing that I think of, Derek, that you sort of hinted at is when I look at these, I'm like, wow, that's a great shot. But what if you want to do something else with those pixels? Right? <laughs> like, you got that shot, you're like, okay, right. this looks good with the software. Back... Yeah, go ahead. Well, we're back to my raw plus JPEG thing because a lot because a lot of cameras and especially the ones I shoot with Fujifilm, Olympus, or they have these effects built into the camera. Shoot raw plus JPEG, you get the clean raw because you got a great lens on there, your prime optic, and right. then your JPEG has the effect, whatever effect. But I'm with you. If I get a great shot that I want to do something with, I don't want to be locked into you know just this kind of look. I might as well shoot film then. Uh, you know, if I'm going to do that. Yeah. But this, I mean, this is a lens that I think, you know, people in fashion or a wedding would definitely use. I mean, if that's the effect they were going for. But if you, you know, the, the, with it being a prime, a fixed lens, you know, if you're going for action at a wedding, you're going to like, oh, I have to hurry up and take, or else all your pictures are going to have that glow to it. You know, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah it's kind of on a second camera, don't you think, Joe? You know, let's have a second body where you just pull it up for some, certain shots maybe. Yeah, I I, I I I I have one body that I use, and uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm I'm so quick with like moving my 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 lenses. I shoot all prime, even in new situations. But no, I, I just I mean it's for a certain type of photographer. It's nothing I would ever buy. Um, I don't know. You know I, I, I just, I, might, just take... I might get one. I mean, yeah, it's it's expensive, 
Maybe I'll rip rip one from Berlin. For every photo you take like that, though, it's going to get old, right? I mean, I know. I mean, but if I was going out on a, you know, like it would have to be like this is what I said. I think when when we did another lens baby review, um, if I was going out on a lens baby adventure, you know, and I knew that everything I shot that day, I wanted specifically to have that look, then you know, I would do that. But how many Uh, how many photos? Do you want to look? I mean, I I can't imagine it unless you're shooting like portraiture and fashion or you have a spread or you have, you know, bridal or boudoir photos. If you were just to take it out for the day, really? Like you'd want every single photo. You you live in San Francisco. You've got fog. You don't need, you know, a soft photo. And that's what I was saying before. You know, would you do this? Like, would you guys use this lens? And I'm I'm getting a sense of what the answer is. But would you use this (laughs) lens or is it better to do things in post? production. Can you replicate the optics what this lens is delivering to you in post or would you want to or would you just, you know, use different lenses? You know what, I'd be interested to see a test between someone that uses this lens baby lens and someone that does it in Photoshop or Lightroom or however you process your photos and see if you can tell them apart Hmm. because I don't think you'll be able to and I mean maybe in a print you might because of the sharpness of the lens. I mean how how good is the glass? What What kind of lens lens like minus a special effect, you know, what kind of lens are we talking about? Yeah, um, I'll have to look at the specs. I'm looking at the page now, but I don't know. I don't have one yet. But they have an image gallery, and the images look. Great. I saw. I saw the baby and the flower <laughs> and the soft eyeball. Come on, Joe. You know you want all your images of Baltimore to have a velvety glow on them. We Come need, on. You know you're right. I have to temper the grit. I know. That gritty, sort of tough Baltimore needs some velvety glow, man. Come on. (laughs) I love it. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting that, I mean, I applaud Lens Baby for still innovating and making new stuff for us to experiment with. But, yeah, 500 bucks is a little bit steep. Oh, actually, 600 bucks for the silver version. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a little bit steep for me. For, uh, I'm, for I'm holding out for the lens baby prism lens so I can have prisms, <laughs> like in the 60s. I want all my photos to have multiple prisms. Oh, there you go. There's medication that you could just take. That will do that for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I went back when I when I, I had a, a magazine shoot uh, for, for fashion, and I went and bought a star filter lens, like a 70s old school star filter. Wow. And used it, and it was amazing. I, I love old. I, I collect um, '70s photo books, like how-to books. Yeah. Um, because I, I the, the the filters they would put out, those Koken filters, were Ironman? just. Uh, Derek, you, you're a little young. You might not remember these. Um, the. <laughs> the uh, Koken oh, filters. I love you, Joe. Man, you're. <laughs> <laughs> now he's awake. You woke him up. <laughs> yeah. I want Joe on the show every week. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, we'll see, Joe. You missed the target. You're supposed to be buttering me up, not Derek. Come on. I already buttered you up in pre in pre recording, man. Come on. <laughs> I love it, man. So I, I guess mean, I guess the, the if I had a French accent, I'd be on every week. So. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. <laughs> Valerie has that cool accent. Uh, so I mean, I guess the the bottom line for the lens baby is it's it's a niche lens. That's lens baby's niche is being niche, right? It's a it's a niche lens. It's a sometimes lens. If you like that kind of look and you want it, you know, in a purpose-built lens and you got an extra, you know, 500 to $600 laying around, then go get it. Otherwise, hopefully, 
our friends at Borrow Lenses or Lens Rentals will get these in, and we can play with it before you know making. And it. I bet every one of your photos is going to look exactly the same. <laughs> You're, you're just a hater, man. See, it's that Baltimore grit, man. Come not, on. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I, it's because I, I I worry about going away from the image and going into pro- and making it just about processing and effects yeah. and things like that. You know, I, I I worry as a as a photojournalist that I mean, you saw with the with the world photography thing. You know, twenty three percent of those guys, women guys, were disqualified for digital manipulation effects and things like that. And I worry. That, that little things like these lens babies and the apps and things are, are taking it away from why people get into photography in the first place, and that's just to get a great image. You know, if you have to do all this work on an image, maybe you don't have such a great image. That's true. Well, here that brings up a good point. So, in a in a contest like that, say that that any post processing is strictly prohibited, could you enter that contest with this lens? Sure. <laughs> and. <laughs> Because you're not manipulating, you're just you know. No, it's just it's, I mean, it's, it's not even a filter. It's it's baked in, right? So yeah. I'd imagine that that would be within the guidelines of AP or uh, would they accept it? Probably not. I mean, I can't imagine. Maybe for portraiture, you know, something along those lines. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I can't imagine it. Would, that you know. is, Derek, is that ethical? Do you think to enter a photo into a contest that has strictly prohibited post processing, and you use your lens, baby lens? To get around that? Yes, you mean or Derek? I'm sorry. Derek, Derek, story. If you oh, can I'm sorry. Me. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. I you just came back in. What did you say, Frederick? So if is it you think it's it's sort of disingenuous to be using a lens like this in a contest or something like that that has strictly prohibited post processing? Can you use this lens no. to get around that? Well, you're not getting around it. You're you're. Is, you know, because it's baked in, as Joe's saying. So, I mean, that part's cool. Uh, now, are you in? Probably not. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean, if you shoot this kind of stuff, I mean, if this is your thing, then it would be a great lens because, you know, that's what, you, that's what you're doing. You go, I, this is what I shoot. I shoot engagement photos, let's say. You know, and and this is my look, and and people like that look, and you know, people do like that look. We're 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 being a little rough on it, you know, and uh, then you know that would be cool, you know. But uh, the you're not going to probably enter in too many contests or anything. It's 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 its own thing. It's a specialty item. My my quibble is I don't have six hundred dollars to spend on the specialty item. You right. Know? Right. You know, yeah, I mean, some... for for six hundred bucks, you can get a really good regular lens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and yeah, and I mean, I shoot micro four thirds, and I can get razors for six hundred bucks. You know, yeah. so uh... yeah, that's true. That is true. Definitely. You know, like I said, if you've got six hundred bucks, you know, laying between the couch cushions, you might as well <laughs> scrape it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming to your house. Yeah, <laughs> can I no. clean your house? <laughs> Every day, man, I leave a couple hundred dollars on the couch. I don't know why. Just... <laughs> All right, guys. So story number three um, is about this uh, free, new, a new free online photo editor called Polar. P O L A R R. Uh, they're the latest entrant into the online photo editing space. Now they've been around since the fall, but in late March they released an alpha version 2.0 with some new features. Um, including RAW and JPEG support, full preservation of the editing history. Um, you can choose from a 
instant line of looks, you know, like some other apps we know. Plus, they've got different import-export capabilities like Dropbox, Evernote, Flickr, Facebook, Picasa, OneDrive, Box, and Google Drive. Now, a couple of flags on that. So I haven't played with the system yet. I'm, I've got it up. I'm going to pull it up while, we, while we're talking about it. Um, but they use, they use phrases like the world's best and the world's most advanced when they're describing their own product. And I'm always, I'm always you know, that always perks up an ear uh, when, I, when I read stuff like that because that's kind of like, you know, that's kind of like you're like what, you're talking to somebody at a party and they say, yeah. I'm the best looking person at this part. <laughs> it's also it's, it's also if you walk by a donut shop and it says world's best coffee, chances are it's don't not go. world's best coffee. <laughs> don't go there. Yeah, don't go there. I don't know. But that said, I mean I wanted to you know, I know you guys have taken a look at this app and and Joe when you, you first from your perspective, again, photojournalist, you're running around the city all day making you know, creating stories and capturing things. An online editor like this that works in the cloud, you got to be plugged in to use it, even if it supports raw and all that, could it find its way into your workflow? I mean, does it fill a hole or is it a disease looking for, or a cure looking for a disease? No, I, I mean, I, I think, I think, um, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to really play around with it. I think in theory it's a great idea. Like, um, in my office we use Slack. Mm -hmm. You guys ever use Slack? We're actually going to start using Slack for TWIP, yeah. Totally, totally endorse it. Um, so everything's going online, and I would like not to have to open Photoshop, you know, and just do my stuff online, put it right to the cloud. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I, it wouldn't, it's, I wouldn't use it in the field, but I mean, I would definitely give it a shot if I, you know, had to use it on my desktop at work. Yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm still on the fence. I mean, when I, when I think about these cloud-based applications, they look powerful. Like looking at this one, I mean, it's got everything. I mean, I'm even dragging around a, right. a curve in here. It's, it's great. It's got. It looks very like an advanced version of Lightroom in here. It's very cool. Right. But then I think about it. I'm like, okay, what happens when I'm not plugged in? You know, what do I do? Even if they have kind of an offline mode, I get nervous about, okay, I'm on a plane. I've got three hours of downtime before I land in New York. I want to edit these four images. Oh, I can't edit them. You know, I think about that. I don't know, Derek. How, how, go ahead. Go ahead. How, how fast? I mean, how, you know, it's a good point. Like, you know, I see it's dependent on your Wi-Fi, right? I mean, if it's like a slow connection and you're going to be like grinding away at one photo for an hour or something. You know well, on I mean? the back end, I'm not exactly sure how it's working on the back end, but I'm sure it's it's downloading all the bits it needs to run its code right. to the browser and, you know, and the image locally. But to log in, you know, you're going to need, you know, bandwidth. You got you to gotta need, need data to connect to the thing. So, right. I don't know, Derek. What do you what do you think? Is this something? Is this a nimble photographer tool? Well, I mean, it would have to pass the Marriott hotel test or any hotel with terrible Wi-Fi because, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I spend a lot of time in hotels with, with the worst Wi-Fi in the world, and um, you know, it would have to work in those situations. I have like uh, Plan A, Plan B, and Plan C to to get my assignments uploaded when I'm on the road because Plan A, hotel Wi-Fi, uh, usually doesn't pan out. So I mean, it, it makes me nervous that way. Um, but I love the interface. I think the interface looks really hot. It's slick. It's good. very slick. Yeah, you know, I do. I like it a lot. I, you know, I I'll tell you, Frederick. I want 
I want to I want to believe in cloud. I do. Um, it's just when I'm working and the cloud lets me down, it is such a buzzkill. It is it's just it really um, not good. Yeah, I, I don't really I don't work in the cloud at all. I um my wife is an archivist and she's all into hard even like JPEG. Mm-hmm. You know, having some kind of file physically. I just I'm just paranoid of like it getting hacked into, and I mean, I, I need to know my photos are nearby. Yeah. You know, I can't, um, I, I haven't gone to the new Photoshop either. I, I work strictly on the desktop with my backup drives and my um, and my hard drive. I, I, I just, I, I'm, I agree. Did you, I'm wondering, did you plan this, Frederick? You have all this cutting edge. Like, Look at the two curmudgeon guys. You get on there. Sparks to have a fire. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I, again, I'm with Derek. I, I'm not a cloud guy yet. I'm not sold on it. But I wonder. I mean, you know, and I, I agree. Um, but I again, I can see the vector, just like with with mobile-based editing tools. You can see the direction things are heading heading in. And three years down the line, two years down the line, I think it's going to be a very different conversation with all the tools we have out there. But I wonder with with this cloud-based editing stuff, is it? Like where does it fit in? Is it a fad? Does it fit in there? No, like is it going to come and go? Fad. None of this. Or is, is it is it evolution? You know, this is where desktop applications will eventually end up mobile and in the cloud, and native desktop apps are going to be like you know, like you call the DSLR, Joe. You know, the dinosaurs. It, it, um, or is it just another tool that we're going to add to our belt and use it as needed? No, I, I, I think we're, we're we're migrating definitely to a cloud. I mean, when when Photoshop. I went to the cloud. That's pretty much the death now. I mean, long term. Um, yeah. You know. Meanwhile, Derek and I will be out at Yellowstone with our eight by ten cameras. You know, like doing. <laughs> well, Derek. According to Derek, he's going to be pushing the daisies by then, right? <laughs> so, well, but, you know, I, I, it, I, it, it is a way. It is the future. I mean, the cloud is definitely the future. I'm just not convinced that it's uh, impenetrable to hackers and things like that. Yeah, I just haven't seen it. So. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, uh, there's there's fully cloud based, and then there's you know, let's say hybrid cloud based. And I mean, Adobe's doing a pretty good job with a Creative Cloud. The apps actually lives on your hard drive, you know, and then it gets updated via the cloud, and you can connect uh, if you want to do your cloud storage and all that. You know, so so that that works out. That works out pretty well. Um, I think the thing about this app and, and apps like it is how you know where where is that line? How how much cloud do you need to get your work done? Mm-hmm. You know, is it a, is it like you said, Frederick, a hybrid model where if I don't have connectivity, I can still get my work done, and then is, when I do have connectivity, I can either upload it or get an update or whatever. So it has to be smart. I mean, we have to take into account that. Uh, connectivity in the United States is spotty at best. Right, spotty at. And uh, we can't, those of us that are speaking of spotty living, connectivity, Derek, you're breaking up. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I also wonder, Frederick, what you know, what would happen with laws? Because I'm fascinated by photo law and law uh, enforcement. I mean, so right now the police can confiscate your hard drive, right? Yeah. If, if there's no hard drive. Can they subpoena your cloud files? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, so I mean, that, you you're probably already backed up to their to their server somewhere. <laughs> well, it's exactly. I mean, but if but seriously, if if you get sued by someone and 
you know, does does the does the prosecution have a right to subpoena your cloud files? That is a, that is a good question, and I, I think we should you know definitely ask some lawyer types that question. I know, I you know, I know that there's they can go so far, but I'm not sure how far they can go. Like for example, if you're you know a suspected uh, sex offender or something, can they and they have probable cause that right. you have illegal contraband of images or images on your Dropbox? Can right. compel you to, to let you go into the Dropbox, or compel Dropbox, the Dropbox Corporation, right. to open your account to them? I don't because they know. have to fight Google. A lot of times, Google won't give up information. Like yeah. That. So, yeah. so any, any, any lawyers listening to the show? Cloud law. There's the future. The future is in cloud law. I know. You know what I think? This this whole cloud stuff. Why it makes me nervous, and maybe I'm just a product of the, you know, the decade that I was born in. But I think. Like, what makes me nervous is my, I'm a high-tech guy. Like, my house is wired. I mean, there's nests in here and, you know, uh, remote control power outlets for my iPhone and all this stuff going on in here. And I even consume most of my entertainment through the cloud, right, with Netflix and HBO Go right, and Hulu and all this stuff. But what happens is I have a single point of failure to my entire house, and that's Comcast. <laughs> so right. when Comcast, which is our my local cable provider, Xfinity, when they go down for whatever reasons or the speed drops or whatever, my entire world is affected. Even I mean, I work on the Internet. like Even doing shows like this, right. I can't do them. So I worry about my dependency on cloud, on cloud stuff. And when we think about, okay, now you want to move your... You know, at least if my internet connection goes down, I can go sit in a corner with my laptop and boot up Lightroom right. or Photoshop and play around. If I move that to the cloud, that's gone. Right. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. And like, especially, I mean, if, if you're, you know, and a lot of, you know, we're we're thinking, you know, people that are that that travel to, you know, travel photographers that take tours and things. But I mean, photojournalists in the field in the middle of Iraq, there's, where, how can you access your, you know, how can you work on your photos? If everything is cloud-based, I mean, you saw that that great photo that won the uh, World Press Photo, I think, last year, of all the people on the beach in Mali mm -hmm. where they're trying to get the signal. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine working as someone who's on a deadline for AP, trying to get into your cloud, and you just can't connect to it because your Wi-Fi is just slow enough that it's not letting you do it. Right. So that, that's why I'm I'm still a big fan of of Earth-based things. Yeah, yeah. So, Derek's story. What do What do you think about the the? What's a better way to phrase this? Why would someone want to move to the cloud? Is it purely for like being able to have the latest and greatest software? So whenever the developers want to update it, they just update the server version, and the next people to log in, they get that. Is that the main plus of going to the cloud? I'm still trying to understand why I'd want to do that. Well, that, that is a reason. Uh, I think another reason is it allows your devices to be smaller, you know. So, mm -hmm. so suddenly, if you're in a cloud-based, if you're a cloud-based photographer, then you don't need a big computer anymore. You can use uh, a tablet device as long as you have enough screen uh, uh, resolution to do what you want. You don't have to worry about local storage. You don't have to worry about backing up. So it really does lighten the load. It's it's very convenient. And you know when it works, it's fantastic. Yeah. So there there are definitely pluses to it. I mean, if you have to bring you know hardware uh, with you everywhere for all of your work, you're going to carry more stuff. 
and uh, you know, cloud lightens the load. Perfect example is my music library. It's it's all you know. Apple has it all, yeah. and then so I don't have to get you know. I, that frees up all that space on my iPhone to do other stuff. You know, I don't have to have all my music on there. It reminds me though. I mean, history repeats itself. You guys remember? Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was. Maybe five, ten years ago. But it was um, Larry Ellison. And Oracle, remember he started that initiative called the Network Computer, and their tagline was, the network is the computer, with the idea yeah. that you'd have this dumb box that all of the smarts are in the cloud. We didn't call it the cloud back then, right. but all, your, all the smarts are online, therefore they could sell these boxes for cheap, and you'd always have the latest and greatest software because you're pulling down the bits as they become available. Are we moving back to that? I mean, is it time for, is it time for that idea to hit? Well, I mean, they, they've wanted to do that forever. Uh, I mean, paperless office, uh, network right. as a computer, all, I mean, all this has been around forever. They, yeah. you know, it, but it all comes down to bandwidth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that has been uh, the bottleneck for us. And, yeah. uh, you know, and we still don't have it. I mean, right now, this show is a perfect example of, of what cloud-based dependency can do. Do to you. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, totally. Yeah. I, mean, I, I wonder, yeah, because I, I still, and I've said this on the show before, like the single point of failure mess with me having to rely on one pipe, and that's Xfinity, for all my data needs. Right. It, mm. I feel like I'm in a hostage situation. I have no backup. Well, you, you know, we talk about backup all the time on the show. You have backup cameras. You don't go to a job without more than one body. Yeah. But when okay. I at home, I got one pipe coming into my house. If I lose it, all bets are off. Because it's a monopoly. Yeah. Essentially a monopoly. Yeah. You know, um, we use Verizon in it at home. It's okay. I mean, it's not great. We I cut the cord. I'm Apple TV, completely cable free. Yeah. Um, and Verizon works just as fast. I can pull up photos pretty quickly when I need them, comparatively to, to Comcast. But these are monopolies, man, and, and they're the ones that are going to, like, really... I mean, this is a whole other conversation about how they control your speed, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, what if they start having, having like, speed packages, which I'm, I'm surprised they haven't done yet? Well, yeah, that's a whole net neutrality law, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's what I mean. We're, we're getting into territory that makes my head just go... I just want to crawl back into my Fuji canister, you know? <laughs> yeah, makes a man... And want to shoot film again? I tell you. Yeah, did you read the BBC piece on the on the return of film over the weekend? No, but Doug K did a piece on all about the gear. He's moving. Well, he's not moving back to film. He did a couple week hiatus from digital and went to Leica and seemed to enjoy it. So, you know, there's something. I just to be don't have the money. I'd love to be able to do film, but I don't. I mean, like today, I I went to two separate protests for the for the paper to put up on a gallery online there's absolutely no way without yeah. running to Walmart and getting done in an hour and then yeah. scanning them in yeah it's it's just, like, yeah, not yeah for that kind of expediency it'd be kind of like you know going from being able to email and text message back to the Pony Express for a while you know? <laughs> exactly exactly I mean it, it's a fun hobby you know but it's not practical right right yeah in th with today's yeah the the requirements and expectations of expediency and sharing and all that stuff have progressed to a level today that doing it the old way of here's a contact sheet and a grease pencil pick the shots you want and I'll print them and have them to you in three weeks those are gone those days are gone forever I think you know uh, I mean, uh, Frederick back to an earlier point that you made though I thought it was a good one 
which is, I mean, I think where cloud fits in is where you can fit it in that is practical. I mean, you know, if you listen to Joe and what his workflow is, and then yours is a little different, yeah. and mine is a little different than both of yours. So each of us have a different place where we can fit cloud in, and, and I think that's the way it's going to work. And I think the, the key is finding out, you know, how much of it you can use without putting your uh, hobby or your freelance business or your job at risk. And then, you know, just keeping an eye on it, like, you know, like, like we do every week and, and see what changes and what gets better. But, you know, the all or nothing thing, that, that's, that's the problem. I yeah, think. that is the problem. That is the problem. It's cool, though. I mean, like I say all the time, that's what makes this, this hobby slash profession slash industry so exciting is that all these different variables keep shifting. And when one shifts, it affects everything else, like the whole mirrorless mm -hmm. thing. Um, the drones, all this stuff keeps coming and it shifts yeah. the way that we perceive our business and the things that we can do and offer to our clients. So fun yeah. stuff. All right, guys, before we, uh, before we move on to the listener q and I want to thank another one of our sponsors for this episode of This Week in Photo. That's our good friends at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know, all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain. And thankfully, FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or, you know, sort of messing with our creative juices. With FreshBooks, you can invoice clients. It's easy. You can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger. You're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff. You can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your, on your mobile phone. You can whip up business reports. You can stay on top of your income, expenses, and tax time is coming up. So with a couple of clicks, you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash twip, enter the code this week in photo or twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to, uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this week in photo. 
All right, let's jump into the listener Q&A, and uh, this is where you guys get to answer a question from one of our listeners. This week's question is from Ron Stevenson. He says, I just purchased a Sony 55-inch 4K TV, and I'd appreciate any feedback regarding using it as a monitor for my new Mac Mini when editing in Photoshop, iMovie, etc., it appears the TV will accept HDMI at a resolution of 3840 by 2160 at 30 hertz. Hmm. Derek Story, this <laughs> seems like this seems like a dream, man. Why not go out and buy this? I looked at this this uh, TV, the Sony 55, and it's around $1,500. So why not get a little cheap Mac Mini and plug it into this gigantic 4K 55-inch Sony? Get yourself a keyboard and a mouse and rock it. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't done it. Uh, Aside from sitting like this and doing your work, <laughs> like, like, you know, you know uh, I mean, uh, I would wonder about the calibration. Yes. <laughs> you <yeah>. know, <laughs> probably uh, that would be the thing. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing through HDMI, the resolution would be pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it should be pretty. Uh, I don't, you know. Uh, it might take a little. Well, I mean, it should work, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, I would try it now. Now he's talking about editing, right? Yeah. Now for for presentation, uh, I love. You know, I I don't use my projector nearly as much anymore. I I you know you can use these through HDMI. You can use the LCD uh, TVs and so forth, and it's pretty awesome and it looks good. Yeah, you just plug so, it. So uh, make sure you have the appropriate HDMI cable and rock it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really nice, and they don't throw off a lot of heat, and it's good. Uh, you know, for editing, of course, we're talking about another layer of precision. It's um, would have to do some investigation there. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Joe, I want to get your opinion on this too, but um, let me read what what Apple says about this. So apparently, it's fine for him to do it. To answer your question, Ron, yes, you can do it. Apple says the HDMI support ups to 1080p on HDMI connections with the HDMI to DVI adapter. The HDMI port will work with resolutions up to 1920 by 1200. Now the Mac Pro late 2013, the MacBook Pro, the Retina late 2013 and later, the iMac 27 inch late 2013 and later, and the Mac Mini late 2014 also support 4K displays. So you can plug it in, but it doesn't say at what resolution that 4K display is supported at. It says it supports 4K display. I so, feel like I'm in math class right now. I can't get it. <laughs> You're like, numbers, You're stop like, it. 4K, I don't know, Professor Johnson. I don't know the answer. I didn't study. I don't know. Okay, Joe, the K stands for thousand. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> I thought it was for black. Oh, oh that's <laughs> yeah, they could be black or thousand. CMYK right there. I don't know, Joe. What do you think? I mean, like your workflow. What's your, first of all? What's your workstation at home? What are you using to do oh, your I, daily work? I, you don't know my workstation at home is. My workstation at my office is quite nice. It's the, it's the, it's a huge uh, iMac, uh, seventeen no twenty. It's a, it's a big one. Yeah. Nice piece of glass. Um, I still have my old white one, two thousand nine, at home. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, I, but, I, mean, I, I, I work on an iMac too. I, you know, I love it. I'm happy. With I um, because I I'm in here from six thirty in the morning till literally now, so I use this for everything with my own my personal backup drive, so I keep stuff separate. Um, but I, I like to be pretty intimate with my photos, and I think that's a little big for me. Yeah. Um, I like to be really close to the work. I like to um, 
I don't need to see a billboard size and a plasma TV in front of me. Yeah. Um, because I, it feels like I lose control. It's like a big wave. Yeah. You know, I, I prefer, you know, like this 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 size maybe a little bigger is perfect for photojournalism. For fashion work, you you know, you want to probably get as big as you can. Yeah. To to work on eyelashes or something. You know, like, I, like Derek would say, there's still that color calibration issue because this yeah. display still needs to be calibrated. If you're doing that kind of precision right. work, you need to calibrate right. the thing if you're gonna do anything at that level. Yeah, and that, I mean that's you know that that that's more on your guys' side. You know, I I like my uh, I like my semi small screens. Yeah. I, I can work pretty pretty intimately and personally with the photos. Well, I can I can say uh, definitively that it will work plugged in. I have a I have a small Sony TV. I think it's like 37 inch or something behind me that yeah. I picked up for next to nothing at Best Buy. It's an awesome TV, yeah. um, but plugged into that TV and one HDMI port is an Apple TV. So while I'm working in my office, I can you know have YouTube videos in the background. But in another HDMI port is my Mac Mini. Right. Um, which all my Drobos and such are connected to, right. so I can switch between the sources depending on what I want to do, and that was the right solution for that. I didn't want to put a Apple display over there or anything else. Right. A little cheap TV with HDMI imports is perfect. Now, he's trying to do 4K with a 55-inch, so his will likely take up the entire wall behind me, but right. still well, that's it's what the I mean. same I mean, I, I, that just seems like I, I, I just seems too big. I don't know why... You know, unless you were a super villain, that you would need to see it that big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you never know. Well, Ron, I hope that answers your question. I would say give it a try. Fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. It, uh, so you know, if it doesn't work, send the TV. Back. We did have a question on Facebook. Oh yeah, go for it. Um, this would be interesting. Uh, this gentleman wants to know if we have um, any wild speculation about the Lightroom Six announcement. So I <laughs> oh, I know who that is. Aaron Hockley. Uh-huh. Um, I have some speculation. We don't comment on unreleased products or something. <laughs> right. So TWIP is not a rumor show. TWIP right. is a let's talk about it after it's released type show. It would be good to, so. to, to, to make a guess and then compare it to what actually happens. Yeah, no, okay. I'm not going <laughs> to You know why I can't guess? Because I may or may not know about some things that may or may not be coming. So ah. I'm not talk about it at all. Okay. And I know Derek ain't talking. So look at him. Derek's not even parting his lips to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't know a thing, Aaron Hockley. Thanks for trying to get us in trouble, though. It's cool. All right. Um, let's move on with this. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay, cool. We are at – it's time for the pick of the week. So, folks – before we get to the pick of the week, if you want to get a question into us, you can ask it like our good friend Aaron Hockley did on Facebook. You can join our Facebook group. You can ask us on Twitter, or you can submit it on the This Week in Photo site. There's a submit a question link on the, in the menu bar. You can send it to us as text or as a voice message, and we will listen to it and perhaps even play it on the show. So join in the fun. So let's do this pick of the week segment. Remember, you guys can recommend anything you want to the TWIP army as long as it is somehow related to photography. Joe, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick? Okay, the so week? I am, um, as you know, I'm, I'm a very book-based guy. Uh, I do a lot of reading on photo theory, photo essay, things like that, not so much on the technical side. But I have a fantastic collection. It's a three-volume set called The History of the Photo Book. Um, and it's great for, if you're looking for a design and inspirations for your photo book. Um, I'll hold up. I have actually, I brought one copy. 
so this is what it looks like. It's um, it's put together by Martin Parr. Oh wow, it looks beautiful. And Gary Badger, yeah, and it's um, it's just great. Like, it's 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 a private collection of photo books throughout the history of the photo book, and it's just um, it's wonderful. Like, I'm putting together a book right now with a designer, and we're using that as a guide. There's three volumes. So three, yeah, the third one's out. They're a little a little pricey, but if you're going to spend 500 bucks on a soft focus lens, you might as well dump 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. You're going to spend 500 bucks for a lens that comes inherently soft. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear yeah, you. Yeah, so cool. all three. It's yeah, not I mean, that expensive, 66 yeah, bucks. 200 bucks, and they're collectible. I mean, they're only going to go up in price. I also collect monograph, signed monographs and things, but... um. It's fantastic if, if you're looking for inspiration to design your book. Um, it's great. Very cool. Awesome. That's a good pick. Very cool. All right. Derek Story, what about you? What is your pick of the week? Uh, I'm going to do a lens this week. I haven't done a lens for a while. Uh, a lens? Yeah, a lens I, baby. <laughs> no. This, this <laughs> one is not, uh, not soft. It's actually very sharp. It's for Micro Four Thirds. And it's the uh, Panasonic, uh, the update the, to the 20 millimeter f 1.7. So it's oh. the, the Panasonic 2. And I okay. finally got to, to test it. A street shooter's lens, boy, I tell you. So 20 millimeter on micro four thirds, you sort of get the effective uh, uh, view of 40 millimeters. Uh, it's a very, on uh, micro four thirds sensors, it's a natural feel. It just, uh, the shots feel like you're there. You know, it has that kind of feel to it. Uh, I really I like the way it, uh, it feels. And they updated the um, the body. Uh, the first round was was a good sharp lens, but it was a plastic body. This one's a metal body, and uh, it, it looks terrific. You can use it on both Olympus and Panasonic. And uh, on Olympus, uh, with sensor-based stabilization, it's, it becomes a stabilized lens because it doesn't have optical oh, stabilization. Right. But uh, on Panasonic, it's so fast that, you know, probably uh, you'll be okay anyway. I shoot it at f1.7 uh, 90% of the time uh, just because <laughs> I like Cause to. Because I can, yeah. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I can. And uh, it's uh, it's very shallow, so it's it's literally a, a pancake lens, and and it doesn't bother people. This is the thing I noticed. I put it on a like a little small OMD, yep. put that lens on, and they don't pay any attention to me at all. I'm just I'm just another guy with a tourist camera, and so it's been great for street shooting. A uh, great lens, uh, and it's less. Than the lens baby. Lens <laughs> <laughs> is an anti-lens baby. I'm gonna get that lens baby no, just no. to spite you guys, you know, and make you no. want it. I'm telling you, know? you, you brought us on here as like the old curmudgeons and threw all this software and <laughs> oh, lenses yeah. at it. I'm like, ah. Hey, Derek, Derek, you see how the winds of change blow? See, two minutes ago, Joe was saying how young you looked. Now he's yeah, saying you're one yeah. of the old guys with yeah, him. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, you know, it's always just a matter of time before the truth comes out. <laughs> <laughs> you were young 15 minutes ago. Now I it's was, all it's downhill. <laughs> oh, cool. Awesome. Awesome. I like that. So, uh, Derek, what's your what's your your body of choice? Are you shooting the Olympus OMD EM52 now? I, I, yeah, I, I use that one, and I use the OM10. I still love the, uh, I mean the the E the EM10. Uh, yeah. Oh, the EM10. Yeah. Yeah. 
the OMD. <laughs> Yeah, you need to write them a letter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I use them both, and uh, the M5 Mark II is is an amazing camera, uh, but it's a little bit bigger, <laughs> and we're all relative now, right? It's right, a little right. bit bigger, uh, but uh, you know it, it has the uh, the distortion correction in it, so you can fix keystoning. It has a 40 megapixel high res shot. It has all that good stuff, but the the little one, the M10, is great for street shooting because people just don't pay attention to you. They just, you know, they just it's like you're invisible you're and, and not a real photographer because you don't have a big DSLR with white with a white lens on it, right? Well, in a lot of times, a lot of times I don't want to be a photographer, right? I don't want to be uh, seen as a photographer. I just want to be a guy, right. you know, right? And um, so, uh, but I love those two cameras. Well, I like them a lot. Well, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, good. So my my pick of the week um, is kind of, I guess this is also my sign-off thing too, but it is uh, a little bit self-serving. My pick of the week is all about the gear specifically because today marks the first episode where I am not on all about the gear. It is our good friend, Gordon Lang. So Gordon Lang has joined All About the Gear as the co-host with Doug Kay. And the first story, Derek, that you'll be happy to know, <laughs> they reviewed the Olympus OMD EM5 Mark II yeah. as the, uh, the first story that Gordon, the Gordon and Doug team took on. So definitely check that out. As we record this, it's April 20th. Um, this is uh, just was just released today. By the time you hear this episode, likely it will be Friday. So, but do check it out. Just head over to the easy way to get to the, all of the All About the Gear episodes is just go to thisweekinphoto.com slash gear, and that will list out all the dozens of cameras that have been reviewed on that particular show. But I want to officially thank Mr. Gordon Lang to the TWIP network. He is, uh, I guess, our, brand, our newest host, our newest host addition to our growing network of photography shows. So definitely check that out. All right, guys. Um, geez, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. How quickly the time goes. It's like almost an hour and 15 minutes we've been talking. Seems like we just sat down. So, Derek, where would you like people to go to uh, to keep up with your antics and your your fun with your Olympus camera bodies? Uh, let's go to thedigitalstory.com. And uh, yeah. every, every, everything runs through there, including the nimble photographer. Very cool. And what do you have, uh, what's happening in your world in the coming weeks? Any workshops and that kind of thing coming yeah, up? Yeah, I'm doing a San Francisco street shooting this weekend. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm really happy. I love that workshop. So, uh, oh, is that, that's a, that's a workshop that you're, that you're uh, presenting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, we all stay in a hotel down, uh, you know, off, uh, off Sutter and we're over by Sutter and Powell. And uh, we have an old San Francisco hotel we stay at, and we do our classes there, and then we go out. We're going to go out to uh, Haight-Ashbury this year. We haven't done that before, and uh, uh, just it's it's a it's a wonderful weekend. I I just dig it. That's very cool. Congratulations. Always always good to have you on the show, man. Thanks for coming on again. Thank you. Yeah. My and pleasure. Joe J M Giordano, what about you? What's happening with you in the coming weeks and months? Well, it's pretty exciting. Um, in September, I'll be part of my second museum show in the cool. year. Nice. 
Um, my first one was from September to February at the Reginald Lewis Museum of African American History, um, where I was shooting. I'm still shooting a portrait series on um, civil rights and black power leaders. Nice. And that was my uh, good two pieces. Um, there were four pieces acquired by the museum for permanent collection, and two are being voted on for the Smithsonian's African American Museum. And then I was uh, September. I was shortlisted for the uh, National Portrait Gallery Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, and of a Native American that I shot a portrait. It's on my website under, it's the very first portrait. Um, so that's coming up in September. Uh, continuing with the work here at the paper, I'm starting a series pretty soon on uh, the city's most incarcerated neighborhood. Um, yeah, man, it's real. Great. Uh, Wait, the city, so it's a piece on the city's most incarcerated neighborhood. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, it's over 40% of um, this neighborhood is has been or is incarcerated, whether uh, African-American, male or female. So uh, it's in District 40. It's a Park Heights district in Baltimore. And um, so I'll be checking in with families there and uh, with a vid- videographer, Gabe Dinsmore. He's doing a video series on it. So I, I really, yeah, I really just dedicated myself to doing um, – Social photography now. Um, so real, so yeah. real photojournalism, where you're, you know, the, the, when I think of photojournalism, I think it's people shining a light on issues in segments of the population that would otherwise go unnoticed or yeah, overlooked. I, um, yeah, actually, in this past year, uh, last summer, I, I worked on this series called Camp 83 about the homeless living underneath this uh, overpass. And because of the work that we did with the paper, uh, city services came out and took care of them, which they wouldn't have if we hadn't shown a light, like you said, very eloquently, actually, uh, shown a light on these this homeless community. They would have just been abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy had a uh, gangrene on his foot, and they came out and took care of him. And you know, once the media, once we got involved, of course, city hall snapped too. Of course, that's the know? power of the camera. Yeah. Yeah, and that that, that really sealed for me my decision not to do any fashion or advertising work, but to really focus on helping, you know, kind of doing good with the camera. So Yeah. We'll have to have you back on because I, I really want to get a get a insider's perspective of just the the career field of photojournalists because we've, we've talked about it a lot on TWIP and how newspapers around the country are shuttering their entire photojournalism staffs and right. laying everybody off, in some cases giving un... Uh, you know, inexperienced reporters, iPhones, right. and saying, "Okay, you cover the story." You're still a working pro at the, at the Baltimore Real newspaper, right. and it's still going. So I'm I'm interested to hear how that's going for yeah, you I, and how I, it's I'd been. I'd love to do a, a a show on just the the modern. I, and I do like I'm I'm speaking uh, at a local college uh, Wednesday about um, modern photojournalism. I mean, why it's important. You know, why how to get into it. Um, what to do and what not to do. I'd love to come back and talk that. I mean, okay, all right, we'll, we'll do it. You heard it here, Twip Army. Uh, Joe has committed verbally, so well, that will stand up in a oh, court of law. Um, and my website is uh, jmjordanophotography.com, and on Instagram, I am uh, jmjordanophoto. Got it. And my Instagram is about ninety-eight percent all street stuff, photojournalism, things like that. So very cool. And we'll definitely link to all those. Um, in the, the blog post for this episode. Thank you, sir. 
All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of TWIP. I want to thank our wonderful sponsors, Animoto, FreshBooks, and Linda for their support. Without them, this show would not be possible, believe me. And uh, a huge thanks to them for their their ongoing support and uh, enthusiasm for This Week in Photo. And also, be sure to visit our website over at thisweekinphoto.com. My name is Frederick Van Johnson. With that, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.